how can you still nowadays with you know a thousand dollar phone that takes phenomenal pictures still mess that up ross bridges here with andrew roach we are here to help you find your way home uh, this is part two of our investment series um andrew and i were just having a, a i wouldn't say heated it was it was a good discussion on logistics and time time is arguably the most important thing we have and our energy and we were just talking a little bit about uh you know uh getting spread too thin between cities right so you know for example um sometimes your clients might be moving a little further out of town and one of the things that we're very blessed to both have is one of the strongest relocation networks uh, not only in ontario but across canada and uh as we continue, you know, for investors, if you're thinking about getting a little further out of town, then connect with Andrew Roach or myself, Ross Bridges, and we'll be happy to uh, to contact you with other realtors. I am going to plug uh, Top Realtors Canada. Uh, it's a network I created during uh, the start of the pandemic this time last year, and we have some of the strongest uh, agents from uh, from across Canada. Andrew, we should probably just make you uh, the guy for Milton because Milton's currently available. So I don't see why we don't just throw <laughs> you in there. Absolutely. We never we never talked about that. Right. We never got that up and running. Um, yeah. So we were chatting a little bit about, you know, making sure that when somebody is moving out of our area, right, that we're connecting those people with, uh, you know, a, a high quality professional um, full time real estate agent. Right. That like a, a top agent. And we didn't talk about this, but Hey, this is one of the things that I, it's a bone of contention that I have with our industry. You know, the dark secret about the real estate industry is like 80% or more uh, of real estate agents, registered agents are part-time part-timers, part -timers, right? Go to work nine to five, right? Do your commute. I mean, there's not so much commuting nowadays, but yeah, there still is for some, right? Get home, you know, have dinner with the kids and then it's nine o'clock and they're now trying to find you a house or trying to book a showing for the weekend. Or, you know, I get, I get a call on, I don't know, Tuesday morning, uh, trying to scramble to get them, their clients into a property that we listed last Thursday because they hadn't seen it. Yeah. And I mean, like, well, well, where have you been? Let's, let's call it how it is. Do you, okay. So we talk about how much time do you and I put into our business? Do you want someone who's going to be buying their largest asset for it to be their side hustle? where they're hustling around, they're dealing with their kids. They're like, oh, I'm going to find you two or three properties right. and maybe you'll buy one of them. No, there's there's quite a bit more that goes into it than just, uh, you know, going to show a couple homes. Well, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, and, and geez, I mean, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole necessarily, but like just the, the lack of professionalism that you and I see with other agents, like it's like they don't they, like it's like they're clueless. It's like they've never, never shown a house ever in their lives before and they have no idea what they're doing. And it's like legit. And then they're like, I've had my license for seven years. I'm like, yeah, and is this the seventh home you've sold, you've shown? I'm gonna, I gotta be honest, um, in my neck of the woods, like the Oakville Burlington corridor, uh, I gotta say there's some of the most classy agents that I've worked with. Oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of great agents out there. Right. There's exceptions to the rule, right? We we've yeah. both seen some 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 shit shows along the way. We've seen some like, what are you kidding me? Like you're actually sending that as an offer, <laughs> um, or like certain things where they just shouldn't go. But the uh, the class, the, uh, the the actual professionalism that we see, like I'd like to think that you and I set the standards as as up and coming agents. We're both established at this point in our career. That this is why we're doing this show is to create an even higher standard for, for the way that we carry ourselves and looking out for our clients' best interests. Well, and absolutely. And, and to, you know, to give back, uh, to educate, um, you know, to, to share the experience and the knowledge that we've gained uh, over the last decade. Um, you know, I, I was, I ran into, uh, to a guy yesterday um, uh, when we were, you know, prepping a, a place that we're staging today, right? So we were grabbing all of our staging supplies and he was driving by, he stopped, recognized our truck. Uh, we've got a branded truck. Um, I had met him at a client's house. He's a contractor and he stopped and he said, Hey, you know, do you remember me? I met you uh, at Gloria's place. And I'm like, yeah, how's it going? So we chatted for a little bit. 
he let me know that he had just uh, passed our name along because Gloria had spoken so highly about, of us. So I thanked him profusely. It was very kind. Um, and then we just started talking about the market and it kind of, it's one of those things, Ross, like you and I are immersed in this and it's, it's sometimes it's, you almost expect everyone to know it. And what I'm getting to is the, the strategy of list intentionally list below market value. And, and oftentimes by a substantial sum in order to be able to drive that, that frenzy, create a bidding war, and then hopefully auction mentality takes over and the house will sell for higher. Right. And, you know, we're, we're easily a year into this and we've already seen it in past markets, 2017, 2016. Right. But uh, he, he still didn't necessarily understand. He didn't know that, 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 that the, that properties are intentionally listed below market value. Let me hold you there for one second, just for, for the everyday consumer on why, on why, why do we do that as realtors, right? There's, there's a few reasons. Okay. So a lot of um, clients that we will go out with will be very frustrated. We'll say, well, why aren't homes priced where they should be? Why aren't they priced, you know, exactly where they should be selling? Well, at the end of the day, we're in marketing. Uh, we have to, we have to drive as many people to the property as possible because if it is over listed or if it's listed high, your target audience is considerably lower. So you might be looking at 25, 30% of an audience versus if you bring it down, bring the bar down a little bit, then you're going to attract a much larger audience. So I, I just wanted to break there for a second, Andrew, just for people listening to the podcast on, on why homes are set there. Cause you're, the goal is to attract that 90 plus percent of the audience. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, thanks for kind of clarifying that. And I mean, there's, I've had this discussion so many times there, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of factors at play. That is not my favorite strategy. I, I don't like it personally. Um, I, I would, I would much sooner, you know, have, you know, market value established, set it at market value. You know, we put a lot into our properties. Our properties show significantly better than the average uh, realtor. Again, let's, that's, I will go back and say, that, you know, the average realtor is a part-time agent, right? So they're basically just, you know, do it as cheaply as possible because listen, that's their vacation money for the year, or that's like their car payment for the year. So they're just going to, I'll take anything. It doesn't matter. I'm going to throw a sign on the lawn. I'm going to go in there with, you know, a nice cell phone at best uh, for pictures. Uh, dude, like, I'm going to go on a squirrel hunt here, but you know, uh, you know, fuzzy pictures. I'm like, how can you still nowadays with, you know, a thousand dollar phone that takes phenomenal pictures still mess that up. And the, and, and the, you know, the, the, the you got a blurred picture and then you put that up as that's, that's your first impression. That's your like, yeah, here we go. So they stick a sign on lawn. Anyways, I digress, you know, um, you know, we, we put a lot into our properties, right? And we will establish what's market value and we'll push it. Okay, you know, like if market value, I'm just gonna make these numbers up for arbitrary uh, sake here. Like, um, there, no, no, no. well, yeah, okay, I was gonna say nine, but let's say we'll go to the million, right? So if it's a million bucks, then we'll say, okay, we're gonna push it to a million 40, right? And that's where we're gonna establish uh, market value, right? Um, and we're gonna set that and we're gonna try to hold to it and we're gonna try to sell for 100% of, of asking, right? Nowadays, I, I can't do that now. I cannot do that because if I do, I A, don't get the showings or B, don't get the offers because A, the, uh, or I mean, C, whatever, part, part two of this uh, is that agents won't, won't show it because it's out of your price limit. Actually, I almost should have flipped it the other way around. Uh, buyers are conditioned to say, I have to spend $100,000 more than, than, than asking. So if their budget is a million bucks, they're not looking at anything higher than 900 as an example, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. So they've capped at 900 and I'm listed at a million. Yes, they can afford it, but they don't see it because if they listed at a million, then they expect well, I got to pay a million one or a million two and I can't afford that. So I'm looking at 850 to nine, right? So I have to list it low, right? And then, like I said, you know, then, then the agents will set the bar, will set the, uh, the threshold limit to say, okay, well, I'll only send you properties at not 850 or nine, you know, so, so you're, we're kind of like, we'll pull into it and you see it statistically, you'll see the odd agent try to list it properly and yeah. it's on the market. 
And you also think about, you know, you're, you're telling your clients, okay, we are going to send you some properties a little bit higher, look at days on market, look at when offer dates come and go, uh, you know, few and far between, but we are seeing it happen more, which is encouraging to the sense that, uh, you know, prices have climbed so drastically so quickly that things are actually calm, starting to cool a little bit. So you're still seeing a lot of attention on properties. And, you know, my phone's been ringing a lot. We've got three listings coming on in the next couple, uh, couple weeks, like very, very close to each other. And it's people getting, selling their investment properties. It's people downsizing. It's, uh, I anticipate that there's going to be a lot of homes coming on the market in the next couple months. So, you know, there's, uh, not that there's, there's still going to be tremendous demand. We just went over 38 million people in Canada. Okay. We should probably already be at 45 approaching 50. I didn't see that number. How are, how did we just increase? Aren't the borders closed? <laughs> Where are these people of- coming from? <laughs> well, maybe, uh, maybe just, it's, uh, you know, uh, called uh, reproduction. Was no. it catch up? Was it was it catch up uh, doing stats from last year? I'm sure there's been some babies uh, booming. Oh, right? Okay, fair uh, enough. Yeah, but don't people uh, die? Don't aren't we at a negative uh, uh, no, uh, population no, growth? Still a slight increase on babies to death ratio. Is there? Okay, you know what? Yeah. We, I should have looked at that. But thanks for educating me. We just went over 38 million. Um, I check it out on Worldometer, where I also get my similar COVID numbers. <laughs> so uh, it's nice to know what's going on from a global perspective, right? Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we are doing this as an investment show. And I think that the reality is, is another thing that I'm seeing, new builds are selling like hotcakes. Yeah. New builds, like the demand, there's, it's like calling or finding new builds. Oh, this one sold out. This one sold out, right? So, uh, you know, where you live, and we talked about how Milton is blowing up, right? It will eventually probably just as big, if not bigger than Mississauga, like in terms of maybe not densification, but in terms of like, Oh, geographical area. Well, they say long-term projections is 400,000, right? Yeah. So it will be the largest municipality in Halton region. And I think Mississauga is 750 right now, 800. At least. Yeah. I, I don't even know what Mississauga yeah. population. I, yeah. I thought it was probably getting closer to a million, but is it? where's our like, where Joe Rogan's got this like side side guy here to just like looks up stats for him. Where's our side guy? We need that. We need that. Yeah. Jeez. Well, maybe one day. Well, it gives us something to aspire to. But like, and then Oakville, Burlington, you know, uh, my neck of the woods, like, I think the population is going to double. I remember for the longest time, the town of Oakville was stuck at 99,000 people. Yeah. And I think that both Oakville and Burlington are both approaching around 200,000 each. Yeah, right? well, Oakville's out, pretty much out of land, right? So I don't know how much more they can grow outside of population but density. North of Dundas. Yeah, but even still, Milton comes all the way down. Right. There's some land there, but you don't got much more. Sorry, no, dude. No, dairy. You know, they were, we're, it's all a little bit of farmland. And we're going to see that in our lifetime. That is going to fill in Yeah. from, you know, Milton, Mississauga. That's it's going to come right down. You know, we look at like Alton Village, you know, that's going to bleed right up to, to where you are. Right. We yeah. see what's happening uh, right south of dairy. Right. So. Yeah. So should we jump into uh, part two of this um, uh, of, of this investor series here? I know we kind of we always seem to open with this tangent that gets us way off topic, but um, it's always fun, too. Well, for people out there like us that enjoy tangents, I'm sure. They love it. <laughs> Uh, for sure. So last episode, uh, if you didn't catch it, go back and listen to it. Um, we talked about like types of investment properties, right? Because uh, again, to recap, somebody gives us a call says, you know, Hey, Andrew, I want to buy an investment property. Um, you know, sometimes they might not even give me a budget, right? Just let me know. Let me know what you find. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, last episode, we talked about 500,000. Right. Right. You know, it's single family house, right? Is that a, is that a freehold? Is it a condo? You know, you want you want a, uh, something small with your what's your client type uh, the, or your tenant type that you're looking for student rentals? Is it a flip? Is it a is it a, a burr, which is a buy, renovate, refinance, repeat, right? Something uh, basically a flip and hold. Um, you know, do you want to uh, do you, is it going to be a long term hold? Are you going to are you going to. Um, you know, multifamily, like I think I said, student rental already, right? Is it going to be uh, like a commercial building? Anything over five units flips into commercial financing, different, it's a different animal altogether. You're looking for a duplex, triplex, right? So we kind of talked extensively about uh, all those types of investment properties. 
Um, this show, we kind of wanted to talk about, okay, so now you've decided the type of property that you want to buy. Um, let's talk about areas, right? Location, where would be a good area to buy now that you've decided what you want to buy, what you're looking for, uh, what would be a good area to, uh, to focus on, right? Um, you know, there's, there's big, the biggest things that you want to be looking for as far as an investment property area is going to be that growth, right? I mean, cash flow is great. We love cash flow. Uh, and, and cash flow is important. However, cash flow will never beat great appreciation, right? And of course, if, if you can get both, well, I mean, geez, that's just, that's just magic, right? So how do you find an area that's going to appreciate better than another area, right? We look at supply demand. Uh, what, will, what, will it, what will increase demand um, higher than, than normal? So some big factors there will be um, population growth in the area. And, and in order to be, able to be able to get population growth in the area, you need, um, uh, you need, you need job growth in the area. So local GDP is increasing, um, access to the area through transit. So that could be 401 expansion, could be a new, you know, 407, 413, um, could be your, 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 your fictitious bullet train that you keep talking about. That you think is coming tomorrow? Oh, whoa, whoa, tomorrow. Like, we're, I think I'm talking like 15, 20 years from now. But, <laughs> so you uh, said you said 50 to 70 years from now? Is that what you said? <laughs> no, I mean, at the end of the day, it is going to be logistics. I think it's really cool, like Highway 413. I was looking at that uh, even before the show started. As long as it's not interfering with too much farmland and, uh, and it's, it's staying away from the green belts. I think as uh, as a province, we need to be extra careful with uh, being more environmentally friendly. But I couldn't agree more with what you just said. I mean, we're looking at trends, uh, things where, and then we can go back to community, community, community. You know, we've all yeah. heard the term location, location, location a million times. But I go back to community. I go back to uh, bordering uh, lines, like for example, on the border of Oakville, Burlington. I see Elizabeth Gardens in South Burlington is gonna be booming in, in the, uh, the months and years ahead. Um, you know, we look to schools. You and I have talked about that before. Uh, proximity to the water, um, you know? Uh, so there's gonna be a ton of things um, that's gonna set apart. We look at the 401 expansion, how it went out your way, like what they did, the Cambridge, Kitchener, the, the demand for that, um, let's face it, the Toronto uh, Business Corridor in the next few months, year, it's there's going to be a lot more people going to the city, right? This uh, la la break where we've all been working from home, uh, you know, I mean, it's been great for us. Uh, time, I go back to the issue of time. From an employee standpoint, I hope there's a lot of businesses out there that realize the advantage of how much time and energy we are saving. Those are our biggest resources from a human element. How can we save that so that we are, I'm going off topic a little bit here. That is unlike you. I apologize, but uh, I just, I, I, it's, it's strange that you're going to do that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, there is going to be a lot more business going back to the business quarter. We're going to see the condos start booming from an investment standpoint. It's going to expand still at the suburbs. Like, you know, the fish will eventually swim back stream. So if you grew up in Oakville, Burlington and you've moved to the city, Maybe you're going to want to go out to the, the suburbs and, and think years ahead. Part of the reason we're doing this, and we talked a lot about this the last couple episodes, is your vision, your dreams, right? We are here to help you with your dreams and your, and your vision. But I think you can go to the, the, any local city and we can start looking at the zoning, the planning, the classification of properties and envision what a city's going to look like 5, 10, 15 years from now when there's those cool trains come through. You say trends or trains? Well, I said trains, but trends as well. <laughs> hey, I think that would be cool. But uh, honestly, dude, we're not seeing that in our lifetime. Uh, not not in our government. Doesn't matter whether it's the uh, whether it's a liberal or conservative government. That's just not happening. Um, in my personal opinion, it would be lovely. I think it would. But uh, there's too much red tape, too much bureaucracy, too many opinions. And it's too long of a project, right? Too many... I don't know. There's, there's going to be too many um, 
bids coming in and then the next government comes in and squashes it and I don't want that was their idea so I'm going to change it and cancel it so it can be my idea it's too much of that right okay I'm gonna I'm just gonna fight you on that for one second okay, okay. So as an optimist okay I think that it's going to save you two two things right it's going to save time if there is an opportunity where you can travel from Niagara Falls to Toronto and oh. it's, it's time efficient I'm not debating that it's a good idea. And I, I agree with you. It could take a lot of time. And I couldn't agree more with you in terms of, uh, you know, going through the political stance that it could take many, many different political parties switching hands. Yeah, I just think but, that, that, that our politicians are, are incompetent when it comes to actually making a good, solid, long-term decision for, uh, you know, for, for, for the, the benefit of, Ontarians. Well, maybe we start a petition in the coming months, and this is something we work to by like 2030. You know? uh, that would be wonder if I believe that an actual petition was going to actually make a difference, right? It just, <laughs> it doesn't, man. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm cynical, but uh, it just. Or a realist. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, I honestly, I think that's uh, that's just. Uh, it's it's a nice, pretty, uh, sweet idea, and that's the extent of it, right? At the end of the let's look. I mean, okay, we're totally off topic here, but let's look at my let's other see. my other issue is environment as well yes. too, and where we talk about the four thirteen and expansion, mm -hmm. and we are going back to investment properties, but I think this is what the people need to know, right? This is planning for the future with logistics, and we're talking about trends. We're talking about all these things. These are the areas that we want to be investing in for land for. And we, we didn't really, uh, we talked, we touched on it last episode, but land, land is a juicy investment, whether you're uh, using it for crops or there's a existing property on there, or you can build something, rent it out. Uh, you know, land is a tangible asset, something you can take the dirt from the ground and, you know, a little bit better than, than paper from your stocks or, or even Bitcoin, heaven forbid. Well, and, and the, the thing that I love always saying is uh, if there's one thing they're not making any more of, it's land. There you go. Right? I joke that it's the last gold rush we have, right? So. Right. Well, so, you know, yeah, buy up the land. The, the challenging thing about land is um, is the cost to carry it, right? It doesn't do anything. It's, it's, it's not too unlike gold, right? It doesn't pay you a dividend. It doesn't work for you. It's just a hard asset. Uh, that you hold on to uh, and you hope that it, that it appreciates. Um, you know, the, you know, the, um, the risk, I suppose, with, with owning land is, yeah, you've got tax dollars on it. Unless you have a boatload of money that you're going to plop down that you're not going to have working for you better somewhere else, um, you know, you're, then you're carrying a mortgage on it. You with with raw land, generally speaking, it has you have to have at least fifty percent down, right? Um, nice. uh, you're not gonna, you're not likely gonna go to your bank and get a, a straight up mortgage for raw land. Oftentimes, you're going to a a credit union or a farmers um, uh, type uh, type type credit union or type uh, lender. Um, and then, like I said, so you got the mortgage carrying costs. If you're going to have a mortgage, you got your taxes and maybe it's forested and the taxes will be relatively low given that there's no improvement on it. However, there's still going to be taxes on it. So you just have to like be prepared for that. That's one of those long-term buys. And then furthermore, if you are going to do that, then do extensive research into uh, what the, um, the long-term uh, uh, plans are for a municipality, right? Because and I, I don't want to scare anybody here, but it's a reality. Heaven forbid another Greenbelt Act comes in and your land. I mean, you think of all the farmers uh, or, or investors that had um, had farmland all throughout the Greenbelt. And in 1998, that was worth millions. And in 1999, it was worth tens of thousands. Right? So Bam. What you can do on that. I mean, I love what you just said there about going to like your local town council, finding out what's going on for the future development. I know there's a new business quarter they're building in North Burlington, which is going to be enticing a lot for more commercial like, oh, so light industrial land. Now you can now you can put banks there. Now you can put restaurants, you can put car dealerships. Uh, there's going to be large commercial buildings that are going to be able to bring there for for driving more business. Right. So, I mean, look at the boom. I remember Milton for like my first five, six, seven years in real estate. Milton was just 
the the quickest building city it felt like every year just it was crazy the amount of development going up in milton well it was the fastest growing community in canada for i think three straight census right so what do they do that they do a census every four or five years right every five years whatever anyways right so like call it 15 years it was the fastest growing community in canada and i think it only got it only fell to number two last time and i think for some area out in alberta potentially but but that's because i mean Obviously, when you're when you're growing from you know thirty thousand people to fifty thousand people, the the population number isn't as isn't significant, but percentage based it is significant, right? But so if you're growing from a hundred thousand people to one hundred thirty thousand people, um, you know, or one hundred fifty thousand people, it's the same number, but it's a lower percentage growth, right? So, so anyway on you as the investor and we're talking to all you out there now to all you uh, amazing people listening is we want to figure out first of all like what makes the most sense to you right like in terms of today we're going to talk about like you know the type the the area uh, do a little property analysis and we're trying to give a huge overview but again it'll come down to budget 100 it'll come down to carrying costs uh it'll come down to your risk and then I think like what we just talked about, what you mentioned and what we talked about before is if you do your homework and you have an idea of what's going to be coming um, available, the future of the, the development for your cities, uh, then that's going to set you up huge, like in terms of where you're going to want to be short term and long term. Absolutely. Um, you know, further to that, you know, as you as you dive into the, the you know, the the information that you're finding uh, from the from the municipality, from the region, even right, don't don't be afraid to go up a level and say, OK, because the thing is, um, the regional level will have, you know, how how do all the cities or towns kind of like intertwine in there, right? You get your regional roads, right? Like areas, uh, those major major roads that move between uh, between cities or, or towns, right? Um, the town will have or the city will have uh, information on that but the region will have kind of like bigger or longer term plans etc right so go you know go regional go municipal and then go and then go down to a neighborhood and 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 um drive the neighborhood right walk the neighborhood um is there you know gentrification and if you're not familiar with that term it's like it's it's when a, it's when a kind of a dirty rundown area starts cleaning itself up right when you start seeing you know, uh, spray paint and, uh, and and plywood windows go away uh, when people start and and uh, you know whether it's whether it's um, um, homeowners like redoing their deck and you see dumpsters out out front everywhere because people are doing extensive renovations. Landscaping is happening again. You go into like the major streets uh, or it's like the, the the downtown strips and um, you know, the, the strip clubs aren't on the main strip anymore. <laughs> right. Um, you know, you know, it, the, the, the shops are, are, are cleaned up nicer. You know, the, the town or the city has redone um, the uh, uh, like the street signs into like a, like an artistic feel and it looks nice. Uh, if, if, you know, the, if the town or the city is, is giving grants to, to uh, businesses to, to help improve the, the, the storefronts, a number of municipalities have done that in the past, anywhere from like a small town like Gananoque, which is just outside of Kingston in the Thousand Islands, uh, to downtown Hamilton, um, to, you know, any, any number of, of little of areas where the, um, where the municipality, like I said, is given grants. So they'll say, okay, well, if you're going to go and spend... Uh, and I'm just going to make up numbers. I don't know exactly what, because it's an application, right? But if, if you're going to spend a hundred thousand on your plate, on your place, we'll give you a grant of 20,000, right. Or something like that. So you spend some money and we'll, we'll, we'll spend some money. Right. And so everybody chimes in, everybody chips in and cleans up the area. And then over a five year period, it's, it's massive change. And then you start seeing the, the little artisan shops popping in and you see the microbreweries with the nice patios and, you know, and, and, it, and there's this cultural kind of like feel, especially in the summer times. I love being, you know, in a downtown busy type of area in the summer where the patios are open and you walk around the shops and such, right? Like, I mean, I know how I feel right now, just thinking about it. Maybe your listeners and yourself, and yourself, Ross, like, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? When you go down and the area is cleaned up and it's fun to be in, it's like, let's go, even if you're just going to go for a walk, let's go walk downtown. 
I love what you just said. I mean, we, I'm, and where I'm thinking right now, I'm thinking like places like uh, Kitchener, Waterloo, I'm thinking Hamilton. I mean, I like to think there's been some tremendous trends and, and that it, improvements of transportation in those areas. And then the future infrastructure, there's a lot more people moving out there, seeing the value, seeing the understanding. I mean, I think that that is, is what we all dream of is, is to have that gentrification where we're seeing our communities all improve and we're creating that, that community sense. Um, for me, one of the other things that I, I love more than anything in real estate for what I love is to find those older neighborhoods. And I think of certain pockets in, in Oakville, Southwest Oakville, Elizabeth Gardens, where I, I'm looking at the decline of these, these older homes and they got these big, beautiful, sprawling lots. And we're looking at, uh, this is where the builders come to play, right? Where you could be looking at that future progression where you're seeing a lot of these older homes where people are gonna be like, I'm gonna buy that older home, I'm gonna rent that out for the next four or five years and then I'm gonna build my dream home. And I think there's nothing more beautiful than having that vision and knowing you can sit on that property, whether it's three, five, 10 years, and eventually you're gonna be able to put up something pretty fantastic there. So, you know, um, there's so many areas that are, are like that right now. And even though, yeah, lot value is going up, you can find tremendous value and that's progression, right? We wanna see progression in our communities, in our neighborhoods. I mean, I think about where I grew up in Southeast Oakville, you know, builder lots there, you need at least $2 million to buy a builder lot. I come into Burlington and you can buy a beautiful building lot for under a million dollars, right? So, and it's really not that far down a drive. You know, when I'm going from Southeast Oakville to Southeast Burlington, maybe I'm taking Rebecca, New Street and Rebecca. You know, maybe I'm just going along Lakeshore. Uh, heaven forbid, I got to jump on the, the, the QEW and then uh, route around the service roads. Um, but, you know, that's, that's what I love about real estate is, is helping people with their vision for their dreams. And I love what you said about gentrification. And, you know, that's part of the reason I got into real estate is to help, you know, find those beautiful lots and then where builders come to play. Yeah. And you had said, uh, you talked about, about, you know, buying a property, um, you know, renting it out for a couple of years before you, uh, before you build, um, you're going to get that a lot. And, you know, I think if you're in the neighborhood, whether you're, whether you're a fan of the rebuilds or you're, you know, anti rebuild, you know, sometimes, you know, you get the older people that have been there for 35 years and now all of a sudden all these big monster homes and you're like, you know, the, you know, the area is, you know, it's, it's terrible now. Um, or you're like, you know, have they not torn down that old crap house yet? <laughs> you know, we got one on our street this like rickety old thing that should have been torn down years ago. But, you know, the, the, the person that owns it lives overseas uh, in Saudi Arabia, I think, or one of the Middle Eastern countries um, has no interest in, in, in keeping the um, uh, uh, keeping the feel of the community. Oh, yeah. Right. He's got nothing, nothing, nothing invested into the community or the street. Um, so he just keeps trying to rent it out and it's got like mold in it and the basement floods. And so, the last people that were in there, they, uh, they moved out and we're like, oh, okay, finally, you know, and then all of a sudden I see a for sale sign pop up and I call the agent. I'm like, sweet, right. You're it's, they're going to sell it. He's like, no, we're, uh, we're renovating it and we're going to lease it out. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> but in time, um, you know, see, so what I was going to say is you might, you might think, okay, well, you know, I'd like, I, if that sells, I'd like somebody to, uh, to tear it down right away and, and get something nice and improve the area. Um, it takes time. It takes time. Most people are, are likely not going to buy something and tear it down right, right away. There's a process involved. Um, uh, furthermore, you know, from a, from a financing perspective, now this isn't for everybody, but from a finance, financing perspective, um, they may need the property to appreciate in value so that they have the equity to draw on to, to do the build, mm -hmm. right? Not everybody can drop, you know, um, if you're going to buy a, a million dollar builder lot, uh, not everybody can drop a million dollars in cash in order to be able to, um, uh, to then immediately start the build process, right? Because from a building perspective, um, oftentimes, if you're going to tear down the improvement on it, then the, a banks will oftentimes want you to own that place outright or, or have a very, very, very small mortgage so that you can do the construction draw and they will use 
50% of the equity in the, in the land in order to be able to, to use that as collateral for the building uh, process, right? So, you know, if, if you're ever wondering why somebody buys something and then sits on it for four years before they do anything with it, that's generally why right, is, 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 you know, you got to do that. And so, and again, so for, for listeners that might want to go down that road, they might want to buy something, you know, a small bungalow on a, on a 60 by 100 foot, foot lot that can, that could house a 4,000 square foot house or more. Um, that, that could be an option for you. Yeah, you might, you might be negative cash flow at the beginning for a bit, you might lose, you know, I don't know, 500 bucks a month to carry it, but you can still you can still have you know a, a good chunk of your mortgage paid for by renting out um, uh, the bungalow, or I think what you had said as well is potentially uh, renovated into a duplex. Now you're getting more cash flow. You got to put some more money into it as well. But you know if you're if if, if you know it's going to be a four or five year project, you know, listen. Uh, the fact of the matter is that, that investment real estate it's not a short term game right? It's a long-term game. You're in it for, you know, ideally five plus years before you're going to uh, really uh, maximize um, uh, your return. And for all you environmentalists out there, um, you know, I like to think sometimes uh, we're environmentally friendly here with what we're looking at long-term. New construction is arguably one of the worst things in terms of filling up our our dumps. Um, So I got to go back to my roots. I grew up in construction restoration. Uh, building up on a home, you can do some beautiful things with bungalows and side splits to build up on them and make them absolutely gorgeous homes. Um, you know, pinning a basement and there's that's a whole different issue. So if you want that nine, 10 foot ceilings in the basement, you're never going to get that. You're going to need to go the route of a new build. Um, you know, making sure, I think I use the term like subdivision covenants where consistency of style of homes in a neighborhood. Right. And you kind of touched on this. Please, 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 people, when you're building your homes, respect the tradition and the the look of the neighborhood. And I've got no issues with flat roofs and contemporary homes. Uh, Call me a little bit more of a traditionalist, but I do really have a a love for for contemporary styles of uh, architecture. But I think that we need to just be consistent and have a look where, you know, Make sure you're using an architecture of someone with style that you can have a, a homes that don't stand out like a sore thumb in your neighborhood. Please, please, please don't do that. But, uh, you know, new construction, it does put a lot into our, uh, our dumps, right? So um, do we have aspirations of building dream homes? Of course we do. But there are ways around it that are more cost effective and more environmentally friendly. Yeah, you know, it's a good point, which I admittedly didn't really think about too, too much. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're going to tear down a house and you're going to, you know, bulldozers going to come along. They're going to rip down the house. They're going to chuck it away in, in, uh, in dump trucks, um, especially nowadays with the cost of lumber. Um, there's nothing wrong with that wood that's in there. It's, it's really too bad. And it, it might just be one of those like, you know, the cost of labor to do it versus the cost of just you know, getting the wood, but you know, it's almost too bad that it wasn't that, that the, um, the construction or the, or sorry, the demolition process, I apologize, isn't more efficient in that rather than just taking something down and breaking all the wood, snapping it, um, take it apart, right? Maybe you got to sawzall it, you know, maybe you're not going to take out every screw and every nail. Maybe you do have to, you know, cut it up, but I, I almost feel like you could go into a house especially these older ones that had like, you know, big, you know, proper two by fours and proper two by sixes, et cetera. Right. Reclaim some beautiful brick, right? Yeah. Like and all that stuff. Materials there that can't be reused. If not for you, then definitely for somebody else there. Right. We have restore, we have all these other resources. So I'm, I'm glad that we brought this up. It is uh, uh, giving back. Right. Uh, like what's the, uh, what is maybe that's, that's a, maybe that's a business model for someone. Give, give a hand up, not a handout. I think that's their slogan, something along those lines. So yeah, yeah. there's a lot of cool materials. Windows, right? There's these big, beautiful windows that can be reused somewhere else. And maybe for these future projects like Habitat, maybe one you and I should put on a hard hat one day and go out to uh, do a little work with Habitat for Humanity. I don't think that's a bad idea. 
No, I actually, uh, we, I, I missed, I missed one of the last ones that they did in Milton. I did it a few years ago. Um, I missed it by like a week or something like that. Uh, I was planning on doing it, but I don't know, just, I guess the stars didn't align that, that time. I think I'd put my application in, or I, maybe I saw it and it was like the cutoff date is such and such. And it was like, I had just missed it. But anyways, I did um, want to old fill. I think it was my second year in real estate. So we're probably going back around 10 years from now. It was like 2010, 2011. There was one down in the Dorval area that I went and did for, for a day. And that was a great experience. And it's pretty, one of the things I liked about it the most is just everybody was so willing and helping. And it's, it's, it's a cool experience to, to volunteer and uh, to give back. Um, yeah. You know, and to learn something too, for if you don't have a lot of experience with uh, construction, there's a lot of amazing people that uh, go on to those sites that have a wealth of knowledge and they want to give back and they want to teach. So heaven forbid, if you're, if you're out there and you're in high school and you've got a passion for, for real estate or construction, well, what better thing to do than to go and give some hours to Habitat for Humanity or for one of these other organizations that are giving a hand up, not a hand out. Well, for sure. And, you know, life's about like connections, um, you know, and, and, you know, if you were to do that, you, you know, again, think, think about the long-term uh, effect of it, right. Uh, long-term benefit rather of, of a good relationship, right. Yeah. You're going to donate some of your hours, but again, like to your point, if you're a teenager in high school um, you have to have your 40 hours of, of uh, a volunteer service, right. So go do that. And then heck, maybe you're half decent at it or, maybe you're good at swinging a hammer and you're like, Hey, you know, maybe I want to get into carpentry or, you know, some type of construction, or maybe you love the architecture and you're like, you know, I'm going to talk to, I end up, you know, meeting the, the architect or design person. You, maybe you, you know, you're in the final stages and you meet the interior designer and that's what you get into. Like maybe you meet a real estate agent and you get into real estate. There's any number of, of, of kind of spinoffs or of, uh, you know, um, careers within the real estate world. Right. Um, that's awesome. I mean, the fact that you can go out and you can learn a trade and maybe you're thinking, yeah, I want to work in the trades and you do that for a little bit and realize, you know what, it's not what I want to do, but at least I had that experience. I learned from that and I want to go in this direction. So it's as we, you think about all the jobs that you and I have had to, to get us to where we are today. And as you, as you go through your life experiences and you make those connections, um, it's going to just give you a, a different outlook and all those experiences add up for sure. Um, so uh, we did go off topic again. It's not surprising. Um, so you want to kind of, kind of wrap back around again. So let's go back to, we touched on kind of like areas, gentrification, um, transportation. So, you know, you talked about KWC, we talked about like trains, right. All that kind of stuff. Um, the 401 is widening. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's coming through Milton right now. The widening is starting. Bridges are being widened, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the, um, the Tremaine interchange is going to be uh, happening in the next couple of years, but that widening is going to be going all the way out to, uh, uh, to KWC. Um, for, so, you know, that will improve traffic flow going along the 401, which will, will, you know, decrease speed. Like one of the things that we talk about in the real estate world all the time, as far as, um, you know, looking for a property, gone are the days of saying, I want to be within, you know, uh, 20 kilometers or 50 kilometers of work. We don't talk like that. We say, I want to be within 25 minutes, a half an hour you know, 45 minutes, an hour, I'm okay with an hour drive, I'm okay with a 45 minute drive, right? That's the way we think. So if you're going to spend an hour on a back road going 60 to 70 kilometers an hour or 80 kilometers an hour or whatever, uh, or you're going to spend an hour on a uh, on a 401 series highway where you're going 100, 120, naturally, you're going to go a lot further going at a higher speed, right? And so the idea there is as the, uh, as the 401 expands, that the, uh, the, the slowdowns will, 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 will lessen because you'll, you won't have as quite the congestion of all the cars in a small area. You can widen out the, widen out the vehicle traffic, right? And hopefully maintain uh, a higher speed, uh, a higher average speed, we'll call that, right? So that's as far as the 401 goes. However, you go into a city and we talk about uh, light rail transit, right? So uh, the ion, which, which is what the, um, 
which is what the KWC or actually it's not in, into Cambridge yet, but the Kitchener Waterloo uh, light rail transit is called is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll right now connects those two cities and in future uh, we'll go down into connect into um, uh, into Cambridge as well. Right. So, you, you know, that, that improves um, uh, commuting time, right. Especially for any, anybody working along that or close to it. Right. So, you don't have to get in your car, drive over here, find parking, da, 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 all that kind of stuff. You just, you know, walk to the LRT, jump on, you know, you know, you're a few stops away, whatever. Maybe you're, maybe you, you, maybe you live in, in um, uh, South Kitchener and you work in up in Waterloo, right? That'll save you, you know, maybe you only have to have one car instead of two cars, or maybe it'll save you parking or it'll just save you gas, or it'll save you just kind of navigating through, you know? So, you know, light rail transit, whether it's a subway or it's an above ground, uh, it improves uh, 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 movement of people, right? And and the speed at which we move around, all those all those things uh, increase uh, real estate values. There was a study done in the '90s, I think it was, of uh, and I apologize again. I think it was San Diego, or anyways, it was a uh, it was a U.S. city, and they did a study on real estate around uh, their subway. Uh, or their light rail transit, whatever it was. Uh, but the fact of the matter is within an 800 meter um, uh, radius of subway stops or, or light rail transit stops, uh, or actually they even extended to, uh, to highway stops, um, uh, highway interchanges, I apologize. Uh, the real estate prices increased 10% faster or more and decrease 10% less in a pull deck, right? So when real estate markets came down, they came down 10% less, right? So they didn't come down as much. And furthermore, when real estate prices went up, they went up faster and went up higher or, or more, right? So ideally, people wanna be close to transit. They, wanna, they don't wanna like drive your 45 minutes, right? I mean, okay, let's look at Milton as, as an example. The number of times that we talk about people, cause we're still a bedroom community in all, in all reality. People that work in Mississauga or Toronto, they get off at the 401 at James Snow or uh, or 25 right now. And they're like, okay, I'm home. But no, you still have another 15 minutes snaking through town, right? So now your 45 minute commute is actually an hour commute, right? If you were just bam, right on there, you think of the people that just jump onto the go train and then they're downtown when they come back. Yeah, it's an hour, but you know, you know, kind of that is what it is, right? It's still an hour, maybe more as you kind of snake your way going through everything as well. With you know the car where investors need to go. Hey? Do you know where investors need to go? Are you asking me or is this like a prelude to you have the answer? It's 100% a prelude. To <laughs> they need to go near the go station. There's a lot of, there's a lot of new train stops that are going out. You know what we've seen with Aldershot Centennial as we go further, further west. And that is a great place for investors to look for the future infrastructure, yeah. right? You look at that. And then obviously there's subways with uh, Metrolinx. Uh, they're going to be improving their systems in, in, in the city. I'm going to, I'm going to make a couple complaints right now. Do it. Uh, we haven't complained on this show much. No, I'm really pissed off at what they did at the four drive, the 403, uh, the split with the QEW there. I am on that all the time. And I thought by widening the roads, they were going to make it a little bit easier for traffic flow. They totally botched that badly. That is yeah. not, I was not impressed with how that went at all. And I, I live in downtown Burlington and there's a huge amount of new condos coming. And I fear for the future of, you know, we need like LTR, like in, in, in downtown Burlington, because with all those condos coming in and let's face it, we all like to drive cars there's going to be an issue with transportation from the downtown core of Burlington getting out, you know, and there's nothing that I love more about Burlington than that beautiful downtown core on Brant street down by Spencer Smith park. Absolutely. Um, so there's a couple, you know, I'm not the biggest complainer out there, but those are two things that I got to tell you. They gave me a little bit of a, you know, a little twitch. In my <laughs> so I, gotta, I had, I had, thanks. That, that's all good. I had to get that out. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking over here. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I could, yeah, I guess you could go on and on and on about um, all those kinds of things. And you talked about population dense, or you talked about, sorry, I apologize. You talked about lots of condos coming, right? 
That's mm -hmm. in that's increased population density. We've got we've got issues here in Milton as well, where uh, builders. Uh, and this is where I get into like, you know, the, the political will and, uh, you know, whether or not the bullet train is actually going to come and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's not unless it's a private uh, venture. That oh, it, I think it's going to have to be public and private. I yeah, think and that will just never work because no, no investor mm -hmm. is going to say, yeah, I'm going to hand over. Let's, let's partner with the government. <laughs> <laughs> what if they right? got you know, actually, that totally reminds me. That brings me back to a Dragon's Den episode years ago where somebody had this idea of, um, it was clean energy. And ultimately, I think they were on the East Coast, if I remember correctly, but ultimately they wanted to use the tide and they wanted to build these okay. uh, these massive kind of turbines with just the ocean tide, like moving these turbines as the ocean comes in and out, right? And of course, it was uh, who's who's the mouthpiece on that? Um, O'Leary. O'Leary, yeah. So you know, it was something along the lines of like, you know, blah blah blah, and the and the or the uh, the 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 picture was going on. He's like, and we're gonna do this with the government. And O'Leary just went on this tangent about <laughs> how like I'm not going anywhere near the government, right? Because they're all incompetent, and they all have mm -hmm. their own agendas, and they all have their own red tape, and they all have their own timeline. Like, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're own like, well, I want it to be my way. Right. And, and they've got no qualms. Uh, just, you know, just just blowing an investor's money who's in it to to invest, get the project done, get it up on in running and, and get a return on my investment. Now, our government, let's have another committee meeting. Let's have another panel. Let's discuss it further. Let's figure out whose name's going to go on it. Let's figure out, is it three millimeters or five millimeters? Right. We'll reconvene next year, right? Like, no, no, no. It's next, just at the next meeting, right? At the next council <laughs> meeting in four months from now. Exactly, right? No, it'll never, never. And that's why I don't think the bullet train will ever happen. It's a nice idea. And, and I, think it, I, I think it would be very needed almost. And I don't know if it's needed necessarily, but like one of those things what, that would improve uh transportation and all all that kind of stuff imagine being able to like work in windsor parties got to own it and take that stance and then they just got to get it done somehow and yeah but then you've got all these surveys all these environmental studies all the this all the that and then inevitably you're going to go through someone it's going to land is going to have to be expropriated i got the solution i got the solution okay this is how the train's going to look okay it's going to go right across lake ontario we're going to take out that whole, it's just going to go across the water. It's going to be, you know, 15, 20 feet high. Make sure that it's all done, you know, struck like structural engineers and properly. And then there's just going to be little sectors that come off, like just little feet off into the infrastructure of those communities. Right. So there could be five or six lines. And nobody is going to complain about building a train over Lake Ontario. Not one person, especially nobody that lives down at the waterfront. Right. Nobody that's going to have to have their house taken down. Something people to look at when they're sitting in their condos and they got nothing better to do than watch <laughs> trains go by. That's the worst <laughs> idea I've ever heard. Not the, I thought it was pretty good. I thought you could say at least go under or something like that. Go under Lake Ontario. It's out of sight, out of mind. Well, I like what you were saying about uh, Elon Musk in terms of like boring underground. And maybe that is... Uh, Maybe that's a better option is we just have the underground tunnel. Um, and then how long is that going to take? You know, watch, uh, watch a, uh, um, uh, is it, if, was it Finland or Norway, Norway, Norway's on the coast of Scandinavia, right? So it's, I'm pretty sure it's Norway and they've got all these inlets, mm -hmm. uh, and tourism goes all around the coast. But in order to be able to get from one city to the other, you got to go drive all around the inlet to get over here. And then you can drive across and you got to go all around the inlet. So they're building this massive tunnel and mm -hmm. it'll go and it'll go underground through through stuff and then under the water and through all the inlets. Right. To to basically have one flu, uh, one fluid way of kind of just going all along the coast. Mm -hmm. Right. Do something like that. But and I can't remember how many billions and billions of dollars it's going to cost them. Uh, but they, but it's an investment into uh, tourism and, and and trade and and commerce all around there, and just and then just just natural um, 
uh, just commuting, just the, just the, the public being able to, to commute and, and cutting a, a four hour drive to 45 minutes because you don't have to drive around the inlet all the time, right? Another thing we, we've talked on the, uh, the 413, I think back to like 10 years ago when uh, approximately when the Red Hill was uh, highway was built in Hamilton. Brilliant. You know, when you used to have to drive around Hamilton, that was ridiculous. Going from north to south Hamilton, yeah. just that was just un, that was a, such a waste of time. Yeah, that Red Hill. I mean, and I think that is part of the reason that Hamilton had such a, a boom. We talk about the infrastructure and that's been a big segment of our show today is with the expansion of the 401 with the, maybe the future of the 413 highway our super cool underground tunnels and these bullet trains going across Lake Ontario. I mean, um, without joking, it is, it is all about logistics. It's about saving time and energy. And I think it's a good time to wrap around to like where we started with this in terms of, yeah, we have, we've opened our eyes over the last year during this pandemic to the chance where we realize what's a little bit more important. Like we're not commuting and having to go through the hustle and bustle of, fighting traffic and that road rage and those those things that we can leave behind and we can say hey oh this is better for our environment oh i'm being more efficient oh i'm getting more rest i have a better quality of life more time with my family who doesn't want these things right yeah, with, 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 well yes um you're talking about where you're moving or we're talking about being in the pandemic I was just talking about time and energy and how, like, if you think about logistics and traffic, I know I touched on a whole bunch of bases there. You got to stay with me here. Oh, I, I was, I, and I was with you. I was with you. My only thing that jumped up was, you know, depression is up right now, right? Being quarantined, being locked down. For sure. Yeah, For sure. like all, you know, depression is certainly up. Um, mm -hmm. And everyone's different. Everyone's handling it a little bit different. Maybe, maybe a depression would be higher in some people if they didn't have, the extra time at home and you know because they didn't move or because they moved right so a lot of people are like you know here in Milton a lot of people are moving out to, to Guelph or, or uh, you know Kitchener Cambridge because you know you can you can get that big yard out there and not have to increase your mortgage right or you increase a little bit right like it's, it's one of generally speaking it's like for the same price, you can get something bigger or you can get the same thing you have and, and decrease your mortgage right and so some people are saying I can decrease my mortgage substantially. I can I can uh, save on the cost of of, uh, of home ownership, or like I said, increase the size of the house for the same cost and, and move out that way and get um, get the get the pool, get the big backyard, right? Stuff that you can't afford to have in Milton, or you don't have the size because you know um, without going on another tangent, right? There, the stuff that the big backyards with the pools right now are just like just ex like anybody that has that we literally just listed a property um today a, a beautiful property listed at 2.1 million um and i have um it listed just at the beginning of this show and, and i think just looking here i've been my my chime has been going off as as showings have been booked i think i've got 10 showings booked on it already and we've only been on the market for not even an hour it's 4000 square feet a little bit over 4000 square feet uh, five bedrooms upstairs, uh, two, uh, uh, with three washrooms. So, so two Jack and Jill's, which if you're not familiar with the Jack and Jill one, it's an ensuite that one, that two bedroom share. Uh, so of the four bedrooms, you know, each of them share, a, share a washroom, um, master ensuite, of course, uh, fully finished basement, um, big look, lookout windows in, in the basement as well. Surround sound, uh, the kitchen is a custom walnut kitchen, uh, which extends down to, uh, to, a um, Kind of like a a bar in the in the in the basement, so it's got a fridge and a dishwasher down there, and a big pantry. So the walnut cabinetry is all down there as well. Um, another a, a fourth washroom in the basement. Of course, the main floor has a powder room. Um, lar like tons of storage. One of the things that people often lose when they finish a basement is storage, and like I got nothing nowhere to put stuff. Tons of storage still. Uh, a large room that they're using as a, as a, as a classroom right now. So it's all set up like a classroom. Um, however, could be a gym, could be an office, could be, uh, you know, another living space for, for someone like a, an in-law, whatever, if you have a, have the full basement, uh, it's on a pie shaped lot that backs onto a ravine and a large pond. Um, so it's big, so it's a big pie shape, uh, you know, kind of diamond shaped lot. 
uh, beautiful pool, beautifully landscaped uh, in there with like a, like a pergola, uh, like a, a, a structure full kind of gazebo pergola kind of thing. Um, hedges, uh, this like these, uh, I can't remember what the name of the grasses are called off the top of my head right now, but these tall grasses that when the wind blows, you have that rustling sound. Like it, it's just, it's just, it's something else. It's next level, right? It's the kind of stuff that you're like, this is the house for me, right? Um, anyways, it's beautiful. It's just stunning. So, uh, unfortunately by time you hear this, it's going to be gone, but look it up, uh, 435wetlawfer.ca and wetlawfer is W E T T L A U F E R, uh, .ca. Uh, you'll, you'll see the pictures, um, of what you could have had if you had been paying attention and not just waited till this show. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna paint a picture there, uh, Andrew Roach, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why you want to contact him. And uh, if you're up in Milton, Kitchener, Waterloo region, as your local realtor, thank no, it's, you. It's, it's stunning. Yeah, thanks. And that's why we all dream, and we uh, we we did this show as as part two of our series for uh, the investment series. Hope you all enjoyed it. I'm Ross Bridges here with Andrew Roach, helping you find your way home.